0: we have been studying the kingdom of God on Sunday nights, and as I prepared to enter the New Testament in our study, I felt very strongly that I needed to wait, and so we're going to push that into 2015, Lord willing, if he doesn't come back first, and tonight and next Sunday night, we're going to turn our attention to some other things I believe the Lord has for us. Uh, Tonight, I want to talk to you about a Thanksgiving strategy, and this is probably as much a meditation as a Bible study, that I pray that you can use this week. And I can't think of a better time, of course, to do that, to think about a Thanksgiving strategy. Um, I don't know what your week is going to be like, I don't know if it's going to be stressful. I think we calculated at our last estimate there'll be approximately 22 people at our house Thursday and, um, and that can be stressful. They're all welcome. Anybody else wants to come, come on. Our saying at our house for years has been what's one more? And uh, my wife's going to kill me for saying that. No, no, she says come on, so come on, come on. I'll be frying turkeys and it'll be good. So I don't know what your week is like. Some of you will be traveling, and you'll be going to see family. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes the family family that you see, you have a burden for them, or maybe you have a breach with them, and so the holiday becomes difficult. For some of you, this will be the first Thanksgiving, the beginning of a holiday period, without someone very important to you, someone who has passed this year or even in the last two years or three years and you still feel their loss, they should be there at that gathering and they're not going to be there. And so I don't know what the week holds for you, but I want to give you a strategy tonight and this is, these are just some things that came to mind as I prayed about this evening that I want to share with you. Ray Lynn was frantically trying to prepare her first Thanksgiving meals, a new married bride. Things were out of control. She wanted to please her husband and make this wonderful turkey. And she had not planned her time, and she was out of time, and so not knowing what else to do, she picked up the phone and called her mom. She said, hey, mom, I'm, I'm, and she's holding the phone, cupped it up on her shoulder. Her, she got flour on her hands, whatever she's been doing, and she's trying to figure out What to do she says mom i'm in a hurry i'm out of time i'm gonna put this turkey in the microwave how long should i cook it in the microwave and her mother had never done that before and so she thought to herself and she's reaching for a cooking book she says just a minute and her daughter said great thank you and she hung up (laughs) Uh, so she was thankful for the information that she received at that moment. There are many ways to give thanks in the Bible. I just want to point out three tonight. Three ways that you can give thanks this week, three ways that you can apply the whole concept of Thanksgiving to what's happening to you. Thanksgiving strategies, number one, the way that you pray. The way that you pray this week should be part of your Thanksgiving plan, your strategy. I think, first of all, you and I need to be very careful to thank God for people when we pray. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 4, and we don't have a PowerPoint tonight, but these scriptures are listed on your handout. But the Bible says, Paul says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life, And all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So without without any kind of hesitation, I can say that this passage definitely tells me that I should pray and give thanks for the people in my life. If I'm going to thank him for kings and people in authority and so forth, I should also thank him for the... The people in my life and who are the people in your life that have impacted you influenced you invested in you to such an extent that they really need to know that you are thankful for them i've been blessed over the course of my believing life as a believer to have have four men in particular who invested in me and who spent time with me and who helped me over the course of my life two of those men are no longer living in both cases long before they died not once (laughs) but more than once in writing and verbally face to face I told those men how much they had done for me and what a difference they had made in my life and I expressed my appreciation to them. I'm so glad that I did that. There are others along the way who have invested in me and helped me. And I think as you sit there tonight, if you've got your pen out, if you're taking notes, maybe in the side, in the margin, maybe the Lord would bring someone to mind. This is not just a vain exercise, but he he may bring someone to mind, in your mind, that you need to talk to. Maybe you need to pick up the phone and call them. Maybe you need to write them a note and you say, Well, Pastor, what if, like your, your friends, they have already passed on? Can I encourage you to write down a statement of appreciation and thanks for them? Maybe in your journal or someplace in your Bible and just say, Lord, I thank you for so and so. I thank you that they did this for me and they did this for me and they did this for me and you put this person in my life and I'm thankful for them. That is transformational for us to remember that whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever we think that we have accomplished, whatever good there is in our life, we did not arrive here without someone's help, without someone investing in us. I believe you ought to tell them But notice in this passage of scripture, and if you've opened to it by now, there's there's two places here in the New King James Version, in verse 1, where it says, he urges or exhorts prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And then later he says, in verse 4, that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And of course, when it says all men in this passage, he's talking about everyone. He's talking about men and women. And he's saying that prayer should be made and thanks should be given for everyone. Everyone should have someone thanking God for them. And it's easy to do when it's someone that I know and that I like and who is invested in me. But what about somebody I profoundly disagree with? Can I thank God for them? What if it's someone who's not a Christian? Can I thank God for them? Prayers and giving of thanks for everyone. Why? Because in that same passage, he's saying that God desires that all men be saved. God has a certain heart and a mindset and a posture towards those individuals. And we are called to give thanks for all people, but also for lost people. We're to give thanks for those who are in authority. Presidents, senators, representatives, governors, county judges. And so can I caution you as your brother in Christ to think carefully about how you voice your politics, whether you do it privately in a conversation or whether you do it publicly in some way, that whenever we speak to or about someone, and I may profoundly disagree with that person, that I do so in a way that recognizes what God is saying here. That I should be thankful for them. That I should pray for them. That God desires that they be saved. A hundred years from now, now it won't matter what party they were a part of. Or whether they voted the way that I agree with or not a, the way I agree with. What will matter is, do they know Christ? If I am not able to pray for people in office and give thanks For them, I have yet to understand the heart of God for those people. So I should thank God for people, all kinds of people. I should also thank God always and for everything in prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. And that means in all circumstances, in all things, all times, Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Not for everything, he says, but in everything, during all your circumstances, keep thanking God. But in Ephesians 5, verse 20, it goes a little bit deeper. He talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and then in the process, all these things that take place when a person is under the directional control of the Holy Spirit. And one of those, in Ephesians 5, 20, he says, Giving thanks always for all things. Not just in all things, but he says, for all things. To God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, in 1 Thessalonians, I'm going to thank him in all circumstances. But in Ephesians 5.20, I'm actually supposed to thank him for those circumstances. Not just during, but actually for those circumstances. All things. Really? 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 I've looked at this passage for years, and I always come to it with asking the same question. Really? And every time I dig it in, and I get my concordance out, and I get the dictionaries out, and I get the word studies out, and I look at it, at the end of the day, I make the same discovery. It says, giving thanks always for all things. For all things. Means for all things. Really. Really. It does not mean that God is the author of evil. The only thing God ever authored was perfect and pure and good. And you and I must never forget that we live in a world where he gave us perfect freedom. And we have paid a a tragic price for the way that we have misused that freedom as human beings. But I think that we can best understand this for all things when we come to a passage like Romans 8, 28, which I preached on back in August. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And, And just a reminder that that passage is not saying that God causes all things. It says he is at work in all things. He causes all things to work together for good. And so how can I thank God for some terrible thing that's happened to me? Well, I can thank God that he's in control. I can thank God that no matter what happens to me, God is bigger than that. That in the world, I'll have trouble and tribulation, but He has overcome the world. I can thank Him for that. I can thank Him that in a way that I cannot understand on this side of heaven, that He's going to extract good from everything that happens to me. Thank God for all things. So the way that I pray really should be a thanksgiving strategy this week but there's another strategy the way that you speak it's a second strategy the way that you speak if you're serious about thanksgiving this week start with your words the words that you choose to use have you ever noticed that some people are incredibly negative and critical don't look around at anybody in particular <laughs> You know, it really doesn't matter what you're talking about, but when you're talking to that particular person, you can be saying something, the sky looks wonderful today, and suddenly it looks very bad from the other person's point of view. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. They're always going to go negative. They're always going to be critical. They're always going to take something down. The only way these people brighten a room is when they leave the room. Paul says we're not to be like that. In Philippians 2.14, he says, do all things without complaining and disputing. Do all things without complaining and disputing. He's saying that there's certain words and ways of talking that we're to avoid. Paul doesn't want us to go there. How do we stop it? In Ephesians 5, verses 3 and 4, he says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints now here it goes now he's going to talk about our speech neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks. in other words how can i deal with the negative stuff that i want to talk about you know i can talk about people who are critical but i'm not critical (laughs) i can talk about people who are negative but i'm i'm not negative how do i deal that with that in myself well, what he says is don't, don't be using your lips, don't be using your mind, your heart to be talking about those things. He says, but rather give thanks. That's the antidote. He says he, he adds some other words and ways of talking that we should drop. He talks about filthiness, which is a reference to obscenity or profanity. He talks about foolish talking, and the word foolish there means without thought. And, and there's a kind of um, way that you and I make noise when we talk but we're not thinking about what we're saying and invariably we wind up saying I didn't mean that coarse jesting it's describing someone with a quick wit but typically there's a crude humor associated with that or innuendo in the humor he says stop it and he tells us how he says give thanks so what I've got to do is decrease my grumbling and I've got to increase my thanksgiving. And I've got to be very conscious about that. Thank God. Thank the people in your life. Tell it in person. Tell it behind their back. Thank God for certain people to other people. Do it in social media if you use social media. For heaven's sake... Please pay attention to what you put on Twitter or Facebook or whatever other media you use. The direction that we have from God's Word about how we speak to and about other people does not go away because it's on the Internet. And we're to apply the same principles and the same attitude when we go online as we do when we're talking to someone face to face. So use affirming words. Affirming words, affirmation. Affirming words are speaking the truth and they're speaking the truth to encourage, to build up, to edify someone else. That's the second Thanksgiving strategy. Here's the third one, last one I want to give you. The way that you sing. You weren't expecting that, were you? Psalm 30 verse 4. He says, sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Typically, when psalmists write, they make a statement and they say something else slightly differently, but it either amplifies or intensifies or repeats something that was already said. So he says, sing praise to the Lord, and then he says, give thanks, and he puts the two together so that when you sing, your singing should be an expression of a thankful heart. He's also saying here to sing with others. He says, Sing, you saints of his. Do it together. That's not staying in the room while other people are singing. That means singing yourself, singing with other people. you, You can't stand there and say, I'm not singing, but they can all sing. You're supposed to sing. We're actually commanded to sing with each other in Colossians 3, verses 16 and 17. The Bible says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace or gratitude in your hearts to the Lord, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And can I just tell you that we all need encouragement? And one of the ways that you encourage people around you on Sunday morning or Sunday night is when you sing. When you worship. And it's clear that that's what you're doing. When I look out and I see someone who's singing... And their eyes are closed and maybe their hand is raised or they're just sitting there with their hands clasped and there's a look on their face, an adoration, a gratitude, a thankfulness. And I know this person and I know what they've been through and I know what they're experiencing. And yet there they are, they're worshiping the Lord. That encourages me. Other people need to hear you give thanks. And you need to hear other people give thanks. Let me add to something that David said this morning. Uh, Do you remember when he said that um, you don't have to stand? Were you here this morning? Okay, thanks. You don't have to stand. You can kneel. You can sit. What else did he say? You can lie prostrate. That means to lie flat on the ground. And I want to add something to what he said. You can also smile. Some of you think that this is a practice for being a ventriloquist. There's a noise but your lips aren't moving. You need to smile. You need to smile. You say, "Well, pastor, Why do do you say that? Well, your smile encourages others. We don't worship to be seen, but when others see you worship, it encourages them to worship and to bless God. So worship with abandon. Don't worry about what anybody else will say or think, but on the other hand, know that when you worship God, you are also not giving your attention, your praise, and your worship to Him, but you're encouraging others to worship as well. The Bible says in Psalm 28, verse 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield my heart trusted in him. It's very individual at this point. And I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and with my song I will praise him. How can you do that and not smile? If my heart is greatly rejoicing, it's going to show up on my face. And so sing. 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 You say, well, Pastor, you don't know the week I've had. Sing. You don't know what's happened to me this past year. Sing. Pastor, I'm going into this week, and I don't feel like I have anything to be thankful for. Sing. Watch what he does. How he'll come. To you and comfort you and minister to you when you sing his praise with a grateful heart so if i'm singing and my heart is leaping for joy it really should show up on my face we're going to have a time this evening as we've been doing on sunday nights and can i just tell you what we're doing I just want to be real transparent with you, be honest. Staff and I have talked about this for some time. Sunday nights at Win Baptist Church are remarkable. You may not know that unless you start visiting other churches on Sunday night. Right, Ray Dean? Amen. He's over there. And it's remarkable because, not because we have so many people attending. That's remarkable. But also it's remarkable because over and over and over again when we worship the Lord on Sunday night, and I cannot tell you why, there's a moment where everything changes. And I don't know if you've noticed that, but boy, we sure do notice it down here. And we, in one moment, we're singing a song. But in the next moment, it's like someone shifted our gears spiritually. And he has come into the room. And he has become the focus and the center of our attention. And I can watch you. And you're responding to him. And you're you're focused on him. And so what we did very consciously, and I want to be very, very careful. And I'm just, again, I'm just being as honest and transparent as I can be. We want to be so careful not to mess it up. I mean, I really think that's the secret of good pastoring, George. It's just not to mess it up. (laughs) Whatever God is doing, I don't want to mess it up. But we we have reordered our service so that During our normal response time, we are allowing more time for you to worship and respond to him. And so right now, it's about 10 till. And we have more than one song to sing. I don't know if we'll sing two songs or not, or three. I don't know what's going to happen. Nothing may happen. We may just sing, worship him. That's good. Someone here may not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, and because of what you've heard tonight, you're thinking, I want to know about Jesus. And I want to know what it means to become a Christian and how that changes everything and how my sins can be forgiven and how I can have a new life. And if you're here like that tonight, when we stand and when we sing and when we're worshiping, there'll be pastors down here, and they'll be here for you to talk with you, to answer your questions and and to do it by letting you read scriptures that answer those questions. You can see what God said, and we're here to help you. You might be here tonight, and you just may need someone to pray with you. Something's going on in your life, or there's, there's a burden that you have for someone that you care about, and you need someone to pray with you. You don't even have to tell us what it is. You can just come and say, Pastor, please pray for me. Maybe you want to come by yourself, or you and a friend, you just grab their hand and just come and kneel at the altar and just take some time to pray together. Or like David said, you may want to kneel or lie down flat, or, or maybe there's someone that you need to thank that's sitting right here in this room, and you may need to just get up and go slide in the pew next to him and just say, hey, I need to tell you, I'm thanking God for you. And what you've done for me, and how God has used you in my life. Could we just be courageous enough to just say, Lord, take this time? Whatever you want to do, and however you want me to respond, Lord, I'm going to do that. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you for so much, for the air that we breathe the clothes that we're wearing, the homes where we live. So many of us have been blessed beyond description, things that we take for granted, our health and our families and our jobs. Others here tonight, Father, I know, are struggling because there are things that they need or things that have happened to them or things that are happening right now. And for them to thank you is an act of determined faith. But, Lord, may they be encouraged during this time. Not just by our worship of you, but by you. As you come among us and minister and direct and guide your people. Father, this is for you. We offer ourselves and we offer these moments to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.